Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, so today is a little, a little uh, fun for me. Kevin and I are actually going to share this time, which is just fun. I love doing this with, with Kev. So we're going to share this time. And so I'm going to do a little, he's going to do a little, and, uh, and then we're going to do some prayer time today. Cause that's just so, so important to what we believe that God answers prayer. He moves powerfully when we pray. So we're going to make some space for that right after the word. All right. So, um, my, I wanted to share with you a little bit about my spiritual journey and my spiritual life took a, a drastic turn, an uptick, a good turn for the better, um, in between my, my college year, between sophomore and junior year. My twin sister and I loaded up our SUV and we drove across the U.S. to Colorado where we spent the summer, um, in Colorado with a campus ministry that we got involved with. And the campus ministry, the main focus of this ministry was personal discipleship and evangelism. And we learned from mentors how to share our faith, but we spent the summer in a frat house with 60 other college athletes, just all growing towards Jesus together. But one of the things that we would do is we would regularly go out and do what we call outreach or evangelism. And there were two main ways that we did this, that they taught us. And the first thing that we would do is we would go to a place where we could gather a crowd. And many times this was a park on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. And we would, a big group of like 60, you know, college kids, and we would put on this kind of a show. It was a slow motion football game. Have you guys ever seen this slow motion? If you can imagine, we would, it was kind of a, a, a synchronized or coordinated game and the guys would play and the girls were cheerleaders doing like slow motion cheerleading on the sidelines. And we would wear like costumes, whatever we could come up with. And we would do this show, and then at halftime, they would send us out to the crowd that gathered, because, you know, if you're, you're watching, the, like, you know, if you were, can you imagine walking by a park, and there's like a slow motion, like, softball game, <laughs> it's like the weirdest thing, but it was really funny, but, so we would go out into the crowd, and the, the goal was to approach someone in the crowd and start a spiritual conversation with them, right? So this is one way we did it. Another way that they taught us and that they, that we did regularly is we would go out to the college campus. We were in Fort Collins, Colorado, and it's right there is Colorado State, right? Kev, Colorado State? Is that it? Is that the, okay, one of those Colorado colleges. And they would teach us to go walk around campus, and to, again, stop people on the way to where they're going and engage in a spiritual conversation with them. And usually the way they did it was this intro question. Maybe you guys have heard this question, but if you were going to die tonight, how sure are you on a scale from zero to 10 that you would go to heaven? And the goal, the hope was that they would say, I have no idea. Tell me how I guess I want to be a 10. Will you tell me? And then they gave us something called a four spiritual laws, which is a tiny booklet with the scripture in it that, that you go through the scripture of like that. We have that, that all men have like fallen. We're short. We've fallen short of the glory of God, but there is a way to right. So, I would go through this book with the goal of at the end of it, then praying this prayer of salvation with them. And, and I know this was great. I know, and it worked in this time, right? But I can tell you that as a young college person, 
it was so awkward and uncomfortable for me to be stopping someone who didn't want to be stopped on the way wherever they were going and be like, please engage, engage this conversation. Let me change your worldview in this moment about who God is and pray this prayer with me, right? So this is one end of the spectrum, the continuum of evangelism. Well, then I can tell you that I went back to my college campus and not one day did I go to a park and do a show and talk to people at halftime or stop people on campus to share a track with them. But I, I, I swung, I took to the, let me tell you by my life about the good news of Jesus. I will just show you the good news by living a good life, right? And uh, this is the Francis of Assisi who says, uh, preach the gospel everywhere. And when you have to use words, I was like, thank you. This feels so much better. I will just be nice. And you will want to know about Jesus because I am so kind because I let you go in front of me in the line, right? Or I smile at you or whatever it would be. So that's the, the other end of, of where I, I, I fell with evangelism. And I have to ask this question, is there another way? Is there another way in between the awkward stopping someone to have a spiritual conversation with them or, or the, I'm going to give you a water bottle and this water bottle, you know, represents the, the, the thirst of life. And hopefully you will ask me about that because I'm so nice and giving you a water bottle. Is there something in between these two extremes that we have experienced? Because here is the wrestle or the challenge, if I were to ask you, do you want your friends, your barber to know Jesus? Do you want them to have a saving faith in Jesus? You would say, yes, I want everyone I know and I love and I'm in relationship with to also know Jesus, right? Like we know, we, we have good news. I can tell you the best thing about my life is my saving relationship with Jesus, my faith in Jesus, my friendship with the God of the universe. The very best thing about my life is that I, I have hope of, of, you know, God stepping in at any moment, at breaking in regularly. I have stories of his goodness. I can sing of it. I can come back to it. I can, I, I can look beyond the mess that I see in my day in the scene and go, oh, there is a whole unseen place of hope and of goodness, right? Of mercy of God that I know of the forgiveness of God personally. I know that he speaks to me. I know he does. He sends things into my day that are just like, you know, kisses from heaven. Yesterday I was in, I was at Panera and, um, there were people listening. Yes, of course, hip club. Thank you. Um, working and there was someone next to me and I could hear now, this is a pet peeve, but in this moment, it worked to my advantage. They were doing a Zoom class out loud at their table next to me, right? But I could hear that there was, there was bits of gospel and I could hear. So I just approached them and I just said, you know, are you guys also followers of Jesus? Like I can hear bits of good news. And I was like, awesome. And we just started engaging this conversation about the hope beyond today. And I was, you know, I was just like, isn't it amazing that all of this is temporary? Isn't it amazing that we have the hope of eternity? And, um, and then I was going back to my chair and a man stopped to me and he said to me, are you a teacher? And I was like, you know how you just take this moment, like, what's happening? Like, uh, I was a teacher. And he's like, what you do for the people is fantastic. And walked away. And I was like, are you an angel? <laughs> I'm 
be a teacher, but here's the question. You know, those moments of encouragement where it's if I catch these like whispers of heaven all across all of our lives. God is the best thing going for me. You know, like I've got a good life and I can say he is the best thing going for me. And I, I, I think about, um, you know, how I want to share all of my good things with everyone I know. Like how many of you guys sent on the BOGO Starbucks deal this week. I sent it to everyone in my contact list. Don't miss it. Thursday, buy one, get one free, fall drinks at Starbucks. You know, like the 85 cent blizzard, literally, I'm calling people, like keeping them accountable. You're going to get the deal, right? You got to get the deal. It's a good deal. Like, we want to share the good things in our life. Yes, we do. That's the point. Okay, we want to share them. So, so not only do we, we want to share Jesus, right? We want to, we want people to experience the blessing of being adopted into the family of God, the security that it, that we have of knowing that we are His. Not only do we want to, to share that blessing, but we know that we have been saved into this purpose, right? Like when we were saved, when we came into the family of God, we actually were invited into a mission. You've heard these words of Jesus. These are going to be so familiar in Matthew 28, where Jesus is ascending to heaven. You've heard this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God sent us, Jesus sent us on this co-mission, right? It wasn't about, hey, listen, just watch for eternities. Hang on for the one day of heaven. No, you're saved into purpose to go and be good news. What about this in Acts 1, 7, 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Wow, the Holy Spirit is given as a power source to be a witness, Right? Or Luke 4, 18. Again, these words of Jesus, you're going to see this again. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. That Jesus is saying, I have been anointed. You too have been anointed to do this, to proclaim the good news to the poor. Okay, so we've been given the Holy Spirit for this reason. We've been called into this mission and this purpose. We have the desire. We have a purpose. And we want, we all want, we want to be impactful. We want to fulfill this purpose. Not only that, we have an identity over and over again. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but when Jesus spoke about our identity, he said the stuff like this. You are the salt of the earth. You're made to go bring impact and to affect people around you. You are a city on a hill. You are a visible witness of God's life, right? You are co-laborers with Jesus in the harvest. You're ambassadors for Jesus, right? You are a letter. Paul says you're a letter written to bring, to bring the awareness and the, the good news of Jesus to people around you. It goes on and on on our identity. So here we go. We have this desire. We have this longing. We have a, a, an identity and a purpose to be a witness, to bring the good news of Jesus, right? On one hand, but then we have this internal check. Should I, like, is it okay to share my faith? Like, is this too personal? Am I overstepping a boundary with someone? 
Like, what if I don't say it right? What if I can't, what if I mess up the words and I can't get the scripture right? Like, right? Like, is it, is it just too private? Do you guys ever go, hey, is it okay? I, I, I don't want to put my beliefs on them, right? What if they get offended? I don't want to put what I believe on them, right? We have this in, internal struggle of like, when I do this, why am I rushing through it? Kind of feeling like a used car salesman, right? Like, why do I feel a little like weird about this whole thing? So here's that challenge. Is there a way to be on mission with God, to live in our identity, to live out the presence of the Holy Spirit that is on us? Is there a way to bring the help of abundant life to people around us who need it? Is there a way to do it that is simple and not awkward? Is there a way that we can do it where this mission doesn't seem like mission impossible, right? I like to ask this question. Is evangelism really a lost cause? Get it? Okay. I came up with that myself. <laughs> Go ahead and retweet that, that one. Okay. So is there a way? Is there a way, guys? And that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're starting a new series. And we're going to be helping you be the help that you desire to be, that you long to be. We want to come alongside this desire in all of us. And we're just going to make it simple and we're going to make it super engaging. And what's going to happen is that bit in you that is just like that call on Abraham where God said, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to your world. You're going to start to step into that. And you're going to find it so life-giving. Kevin and I have been doing this for a bit. And we've been discovering things about what it's like to interact with people. And that I can say that, you know what? They actually do feel blessed when I'm a blessing. They do actually want to hear some of the things that God has, has done in my life and taught me. They actually are interested if it's done in a certain way. And so here's the thing that I want us to, to just look at today. Here is the good news. Why I think that evangelism is not a lost cause is that even though this number is an all-time low, here's good news in this. Gallup research has, has they've done a study. This is the most recent, recent one. And 74% of the people they surveyed say they believe in God. Okay, so that might sound low, but like, let's just think about a group of your 10 friends and somewhere between seven and eight, 7.4 of your friends, they would say they believe in God. They would say they believe in God. It doesn't mean that they have a relationship with God, right? But let's just go, hey, there is some sort of foundation there. There is some sort of opening there. And what if all they needed was someone they could trust, someone that was serving them, someone that was acting as a blessing to them to point them to the true God, the God of the Bible, the truth of what a relationship with God is actually like. What if they just needed someone that could help overcome whatever, you know, uh, confusion, wherever wires have been crossed, whatever culture has given them about God. What if they just needed someone that could just point them to the true God? What if? Okay, here's another statistic. That makes me go, okay, evangelism is not a lost cause. Four and five, around four and five, 79% of the unchurched says this. This is great. They don't mind a friend who really values their faith talking about it with them. That's, that's good news. There is our open door. This is a really big deal. If you think about four of your five, four of your five friends, they will be willing to talk about spiritual things that you value. 
Think about that. Your coworkers and your cousins and your neighbors in relationship, within the context of, of relationship and a, an invested sort of trusting relationship with them, they are open to hear what your experience is with spiritual matters. Okay, I'm going to wrap up here. Kevin, you're on deck. He's in the hole. All right. Here's what your neighbors want most. This is going to, this is going to help cue us in on how we're going to do this, how it's going to be simple and not awkward and how we're going to be a blessing. What your neighbors want most, according to a Barna Group study, they asked this. Okay. So if your friend was going to talk to you about spiritual matters, what are you looking for? What do you want from them? They, this is the first thing. They want you to listen without judgment. They just want someone that will listen and that they can help process their, their feelings, process their thoughts with. Two out of three of them said they, they had no one in their life who would listen without judgment. Yikes. <laughs> right, church? Like, can we, and this has been a, a growing, this has been a growing edge for me, and this is something I've been working on over the past few years with my neighbors, is being able to listen where they are on their journey, because my knee jerk was, I have to correct it. Like, I have to correct it now, right? And I failed God if I didn't set it straight. Like, that's what he wants from me is just right now in this moment, set it straight. I've actually been able to relax and be like, we're on a journey. The Holy Spirit is at work here, right? It's not up to me. The Holy Spirit is at work here. And let me hear where you're at, and then know that I can have a follow-up conversation if I steward this moment well. There'll be more to come, right? And so I've been able to listen, maybe let them process and without fear of their answers being wrong. And this was something that, honestly, guys, when we started a neighbor's group, it took me a minute because people were sharing things about God, and I was like, that's wrong! And I, you know, I just wanted to stand up and be like, what? You know, and I just was like, like, okay, just, okay, just listen, be there with them. We're having a conversation. It's one conversation, right? So listen without judgment. Okay. The second thing that they want is they want someone that they want to be able to draw their own conclusions, right? To have, to draw their own conclusions, which is really related to this first one. Again, like, that training of like, you gotta, you gotta pray the prayer right now. Like here's, it's almost like a little bit of a project, right? You have to just you gotta seal the deal right now. Just being able to go, listen, we're again, we're on the Holy Spirit's working. The Holy Spirit's behind the scenes. I'm going to listen. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to share what God is, who he has been to me, what he has done with me. I'm going to provide my spiritual journey. I'm going to share with you my experiences of things, but you draw your own conclusions, because God is drawing all men to himself. He desires that no one would perish, right? Okay, so we got to just trust that the Holy Spirit is also a witness and he is working and they draw their own conclusions. But we also do this. They also want evidence. They also want evidence. And some of you have been like, oh, well, there we go. I can't provide evidence. And listen, your story is evidence. Your story is evidence. Who God has been to you is evidence, of his, of his heart, of his nature. Once you've invested into some of the relationship and listened without judgment, and the order is important, once you've been able to say, step back and go, they're gonna, they're gonna process it, then you share your story. Share the difference that you've experienced. You, you know, like, again, nobody can argue with your story. They can't. This is how God has met me. This is what forgiveness has done in my life. This is what mercy was done. Here's how God healed me. You know, here is where he has, has provided for me. Here's where I'm still struggling and I'm still offering him input, you know, connection and input in the midst of my struggles. They want evidence and you have evidence.
And like my friend JJ says, people are looking for friends. Jesus was a friend of sinners. He was a friend. This was what the God of the universe was. This was the name that was used over and over again, a friend of sinners. So we're going to go on a journey of being like Jesus and knowing what friendship on this earth, what it could look like in your circles. And it's going to be really fun. And uh, someone gave me, without knowing this, one of the intercessors, they pray every week. And they were just like, they just, it was a real simple word, but they were like new life. God is doing new life. There's new life in, in a, for us as a church. This is the season of new life, guys. And so I can't wait to see what it's like for you to be a blessing for you to be blessed to be a blessing in your circles. And we're going to, it's, I think there's going to be so many fun. I could already see just so many fun God stories that are going to be, um, that we're going to be sharing together as a family, as we, as we go after this. So, all right. Cool. The end. All right. So, um, at the end of uh, my time, we're going to vote by a show of hands, which half of the sermon you like better, minor Molly's. I would be really scared to have that vote. Um, so ha- have you guys, I know the answer to this, but have you guys ever forgotten your keys to something? It's maddening, isn't it? It's maddening. Or worse yet, you have lost your keys and you're locked out of something that you need to get into, right? Like your car, it's terrible, it's so frustrating. I have gotten locked out of this church more times than I can ever, you know, hope to tell you. And thank God for Carly and all the people that live anywhere near here, because everybody has gotten a call from me saying, can you let me into the church? Uh, and so it is annoying and it's frustrating when we get locked out of something. And isn't it like so relieving when someone comes with the keys? Isn't it just that best feeling when they come with the key and they let you into the thing that you needed to get into? It's like the best feeling, right? That feeling of being locked out of something that we care about is so frustrating when it's a car or work or something like that, the house. But I just want you guys to think for a second about how much more frustrating it is when the thing that we are locked out of is something like uh, a healing that we have been praying for because we've lived with a chronic illness or a tear, you know, an issue like my hip or something like that. How frustrating is it to be locked out of a breakthrough there? How frustrating is it, you guys, to be locked out of um, a, a peaceful and joyful marriage? You dreamed that you would have this great connection and it hasn't turned out the way that you hoped that it would. And everything that you've done and everything that you've said and everything that you've tried, nothing seems to make a difference there. How frustrating is it for the person that wants to be married? And they long for like a meaningful relationship and they just can't seem to find that person. And so they live frustrated and kind of locked out of that place of joy. How frustrating is it when uh, people that we know live locked out of a joyful life because they deal with depression or they deal with some sort of addictive behavior that they can't seem to get free from. I mean, it's one thing, you guys, to be locked out of a car. It's a completely different thing to be locked out of the abundant life. And that's how Jesus describes life in his kingdom. He said, I'm calling you, I'm inviting you into an abundant life. But how often is it that we experience people in our lives that they are locked out of this kind of a joyful, abundant life that God has for them. 
right? And so the question is, well, what can be done? And I know that we're probably sitting there thinking, well, God better do something. God better do something for these people. But of course, you know that God has already done something. He's already done it. And I want you to think of those keys, church. Keep your mind on the keys. Who can unlock freedom for a person that is in bondage? Who can do that? Who can unlock healing for those that are sick? Who can unlock a door to hope or a door to reconciliation or life purpose or meaning? Can I give you a hint? The answer isn't only Jesus. The answer is not only Jesus. I want to share with you something that Jesus said in the gospel of Matthew. He said this, I will give you, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever, listen to this, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. How amazing is that, you guys? How important is that? And if you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard about the kingdom, right? The keys to the kingdom. Uh, you've heard about this kingdom, but what is the kingdom of God? Well, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, uh, uh, notion. It's a tricky thought, right? Because the kingdom of God isn't like the kingdoms that we are aware of. It's a little bit hard to understand because it's not a physical kingdom. It's not like the United Kingdom that you can find on a map. It's not like, uh, the magic kingdom that you can go to outside of Orlando, Orlando. The the kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom, but here's what it is. The kingdom of God is where God rules, where God reigns, where God's character and his personality is made manifest in the world. That is the kingdom of God. So God's kingdom is invisible, but it is powerful. And the, the entirety of Jesus's ministry, you guys, was to proclaim and to demonstrate the power and the reality of the kingdom of God. That's, that was his whole ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's near you. And probably the best scripture that articulates what the kingdom of God was like is found at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. And it's recorded in the book of Luke. And here Jesus says that it says this. He, meaning Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Let me just pause there for a second. This is totally unrelated. It was the custom of Jesus to show up at the synagogue every week. And so I'm proud of you guys for making a commitment to being together with your brothers and sisters. It is the custom of Jesus. It is our custom. It's important. Now, let me keep going. Uh, he stood up to read, it says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. So he looked for this and he says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love this. I think if there was possibly one moment during the life of Jesus that I could be around for, it might be this moment. And then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. Um, and he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This church is God's 
kingdom come. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray this, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in my life, in your life, just as it is in heaven. And yet this kingdom thing still confused everybody. It confused the disciples for the entirety of Jesus's ministry. Uh, it even confused the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. People still couldn't get a, a really grasp it. And so um, in Luke chapter 17, it says the Pharisees asked Jesus when God's kingdom would come. And he answered them. And he said this. People can't observe the coming of God's kingdom. They can't say, here it is, or there it is over there. And then he says this, and this is so powerful. He said, you see, God's kingdom is within you. God's kingdom is within you. The fullness of the power of God, the kingdom of God, the personality of God, the mission of God, the desire of God, it all is in us because we have the Holy Spirit. Because we have God living in our hearts, every one of us. And you know what that means, don't you? I want to say something to you, and I am not, uh, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating. I want to say this to you. You are amazing. You are amazing. You are powerful. You are a powerhouse of divine love, divine mercy, and divine grace. You are a life changer. You are. Every one of you, you can change lives because you have the kingdom of God dwelling inside you. Because God gave you the keys to his kingdom. You have them, every one of us. And that, that changes everything, doesn't it? And so I just want to ask you guys, who is it that told you that you can't make a difference in the world? Who told you? That you're going to be tongue-tied. Who told you that you don't have the right words or the right argument or the opportunity and the ability to change a life? Who told you that? Because it's an absolute lie. You are amazing. And if you think, uh, I don't want to get too powerful. I don't want to get too, too crazy. I don't want to think too much of myself because if I increase, God decreases. That's completely false. A powerful kingdom son is a glory to the Father. A powerful kingdom daughter is a glory to Jesus and the work of the cross. A powerful person manifesting God's character in the world glorifies the Holy Spirit that lives in every one of us. Do you understand that? It is time for us to reject the lies that we don't have what it takes to change the world. And what Molly and I want to do over the next few weeks with you guys is we want to bust out of that, that, that broken thinking that says that A, we're powerless, but B, that there's just this one kind of silly thing that we have to do to try to win people to Jesus. It's not that. People are dying for friendship. They're dying for healing. They're dying for mercy. They're dying for a word of encouragement. They're dying for someone to say, I see this in you. God is working in your life. He can change your life the way that he's changed mine. There is a world that is locked out of an abundant life that God has for them. And you have the kingdom in you. And you have the keys with you. And so that's what we're going to explore over the next several weeks. We're going to dig into what this looks like. And it's our prayer and it's our hope that rather than, than like evangelizing or something being sort of this like outside of us weird thing that we have to do, 
It's our prayer that we will begin to understand all that God has done inside of us. And we will begin to just manifest his kingdom, just live it out in such a powerful way that things change and people come to Christ and people see themselves delivered of sickness and depression and anxiety and hopelessness and no life purpose. Because that's what you carry. You carry God in you, Jesus in you, the kingdom in you, and you can change a life. Lord, I pray that there wouldn't be any sense of um, burden or condemnation or a a disabling message. Instead, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would um, just pour out your spirit and a sense of enablement. That you would, uh, God, that you would just just pour out your power upon us, your love upon us, that you would give us the same eyes, Jesus, that you had, that we would see as you see, that our hearts would would break as your heart broke, that we would also see the keys that we carry. Every time you went anywhere, Jesus, you knew exactly what was needed and you had the key for uh, for that that unlocking of joy, that unlocking of peace, that unlocking of freedom. And so I pray that you would do a, a, a supernatural work in us that we would that we would see we would know the key that you have given us to unlock hope in the person in front of us lord however that looks lord give us a discerning heart give us a passionate heart a zealous heart to see people restored to see you glorified lord there's so much of this that only you can do and so we pray do it lord